This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, this is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by two good friends, uh, Kyle Diller and Andrew Kilduff, um, to talk over Manchester United's fantastic opening day performance against Brighton and Albion. Oh, what a performance. What a great, great performance that was. Um, If you're watching live on YouTube, please feel free to get your questions in. Also on Facebook as well. If you're watching the replay, do say hello. Feel free to comment if you're watching the replay. We do still reply to those. Please like, please like and subscribe as well um, while you're there. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please give us a nice review on there. Um, yeah, so actually, not no, not a great performance. Manchester United won, Brighton two. A Dutch manager comes in with the idea of putting total football to the test at Old Trafford, and he loses his first game two one against the team who aren't really fancied, but they've got a good reputation for playing attractive passing football themselves. And by half-time, the manager is forced to sort of reshuffle and rethink his plans. Stop me if you've heard that one before. I had very, very nostalgic feelings of Louis van Gaal's first game against Swansea City. Um, eventful day. Um, Andrew, I'll come to you first, mate. Um, United won, Brighton 2. Um, how are you doing? What did you make of it? Well, a bit <clears throat> disheartened and disappointing at the moment. You, you sort of imagine like yourself, you're almost like first day at new school feel about it today. You, a bit of excitement. You know, you've seen the sort of pre-season, what we've had where, you know, it's hard to take lessons out of, out of pre-season because it's not about a results or performance. It, it's more geared at, you know, getting players up to speed with fitness. But, I was impressed with the speed and the intensity that the ball was moved around in some of the pre-season games. The one-touch interaction, particularly between the front three. <laughs> and it was a stark contrast to what we got today. I, I know Martial wasn't available and, and he and he was sort of pinnacle to that way that system set up on the, on the tour. But it was like watching the team from last season today. The, yeah. You know, the, the intensity wasn't there. It was one foot on the ball, pass back. One foot on the ball, pass back. And it, you know, Rashford, Sancho, I want to see him taking people on in the box, winning penalties. If you if you can't if you can't beat the man, get the foul, get the penalty. And Rashford and not Sancho, not one of them will look to do that. And it, 
the whole team setup just didn't seem right to me. There was okay, it's going to take the back four a little bit of time to get used to each other, but Luke Shaw looked miles off the pace today. I, I, I don't know how he wasn't dragged off at half time on that. You've got McTominay and Fred in the midfield wasn't being creative enough. Um, and I, I know people have a go at McTominay and Fred. They're easy, they're easy pickings, but I think just with having Bruno and then also having uh, Ericsson in there, you can afford to lose one of them. And, and we didn't start playing until that sort of happened. And, you know, Donny van der Beek, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he brings anything to Manchester United. But when he did come on, he was putting his foot on the ball and he was making that pass and it, it did speed up a little bit. But I think it's going to be one of them seasons where we're going to get some good results one week and some poor results the next week after. And it, Rooney's come out today and saying it's going to be three and four years before United are, are challenging again. And I don't disagree with that. It, it's got to be Ten Hag's team. And until it's Ten Hag's team, we can't judge that. Yeah. Apart from that, all good. Um, <laughs> so we've got um, some comments coming in. Ben um, says, terrible performance. Jason, evening all. The first half today was like so many games under Ragnik last season. Absolutely. And Simon says, McTominay and Fred left the defence so open. There was a moment in the first half um, where McTominay had loads of space in front of him, opening up in front of the box. And obviously everyone's yelling, shoot. But he, as he takes the touch... I mean, I don't know how it happened, but he had—he probably had about five yards of space, took a touch, and then he's tackling for the ball on the edge of their box. It's like, how how did that happen? Do you know, um, coming from Ashrin, evening mate, we are doing well. Um, somebody made 19 passes at 68% rate. I didn't realise it was that few and that poor. Um, our midfield just felt so overrun, sloppy, lost the ball on numerous occasions, and there's no ball winner. It is so sad we've not reinforced there. Yeah, that's going to be a key key theme of this. Um, Arcandelo go from not being wanted to being our number one right back. Simon Beheya as well was weak for the two goals. Absolutely. Um, I know these kind of comments are going to keep coming in. That's fine. Absolutely. Um, Kyle, what did you make of it? I mean, how are you doing? What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's funny. Ashman and I were, were texting during the game, and we, we talked about the McDonough stat. Uh, so not surprising to see that come up. Um, it's uh, No, I, I mean, it, it poor performance all around. It, it's almost like there's consequences for failing during the transfer window. I know there's still time in the transfer window, but uh, um, we're, we're seeing um, – uh, we're seeing already um, some of the consequences for not uh, getting business done. Um, obviously, we've spent 13 weeks, is it now, on De Jong, and, uh, you know, midfield was a problem again today. Um, you can see that. Um, we'll talk about McTominay and Fred, I'm sure, for the rest of the season. Or, yeah, McTominay and Fred for the rest of the season, and I, I don't see that changing unless you get somebody else in there. Um I, I don't think either were very good. I think McTominay was especially poor. I was, I was almost surprised to see Fred come off instead of, of, of McTominay. Um, I, I was actually shocked uh, when, when, when that happened. Um, it, it, it just, just poor all around. Um, I agree. Uh, Rashford and, and Sancho, I, I expected more out of them. I thought Rashford had a couple really good chances that, that he just didn't take. I mean, there, there's still something just not quite clicking with him. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to see him get back to it. I don't know what it's going to take to get him there. Um, but yeah, just a little more directness from both of them. Um, I, I, I do 
think that it's a big challenge ahead for Ten Hag. Um, I, 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 I like him uh, a lot. I, what he, you know, what he's done so far in preseason. Um, I have big hopes for him. Um, but it's going to be a big challenge, I think, for any manager at this point, just with the players that he's got at his disposal. Um, there's still three weeks left in the transfer window, and I think there's a lot that needs to be done there. I think we saw that today. Um, I think we needed today to happen to really open some eyes to the fact that, you know, a lot of players left the club and a lot of players weren't replaced. Um, now, a lot of the players that left the club, I think, needed to leave the club. But if they're going to leave the club, you need to replace them, too. Um, so, you know, you needed to replace the, them with quality. Um, so, um, you know, I just don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's really bleak. I think we were all hoping for, for some optimism for the beginning of a new era. And, and I, I just don't think that we got that. Um, I still think that Ten Hag is a, is a really, um, should be reason for optimism. I, I think he brings a lot of really good ideas to the team, but I, I just don't know that he's going to be able to do it with the players that he has there right now. I think he's going to need time to bring in his players to implement his ideas um, because some of the players he has there right now are not going to be able to do it. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. I think we're, both, we're all on the same page with that, with um, talking about um, that it would be, this is on the players more than it is on Tenog, but there are still some things. And I'm definitely, I'm, you know, it'll take me a long time to start criticizing a manager um, while he's still learning with <laughs> what he's got and everything like that. Um, learning to deal with what he's got and what he's inherited. Um, ben puts a comment in here, and this is what I'm going to come on to really. Uh, he says, uh, my optimism is that we'll never see that midfield again. <laughs> and it's it's a great point to to bring up because you look at this, the selection today and it is worth talking about, um, even though I'm not going to get on 10 Hawks back. Let's talk about the way that he's set up because the first half he's playing Ericsson as a false nine, which to me... I mean, first you've lost Ericsson from midfield, which is one thing, but we had no presence whatsoever up front, and that was so telling. It, people will say when you know Ronaldo is quite statuesque and he doesn't provide anything, but at least when he came on, he was a presence in the the middle. There was a focal point for us to cross to, and before that, there was literally nothing in the middle. We were playing down wide alley, wide alleys, and there were blind alleys as well, but. Some of the other things, like, you know, we mentioned McTominay, obviously. It, it wasn't happening for him today. It looked very, it looked like they were very similar to Van Gaal's first game. I don't know if you guys can remember it, but it seemed like you were asking a lot of these players technical ability, the questions you were looking at them in a different way to what you were looking at in the previous season. You were saying, all right, this is a new style of play. Are they technically able to do it? And you found a few of these players were wanting, like McTominay, struggling really bad because he can't keep hold of the ball. And he can't carry the ball. You know, he, he does have qualities, but dominating the play in the United midfield, he just isn't one of them. You know, he's going to need another play for that. You could very much see the the young hole that was there. But there are other things that bothers bother me when I was watching the game. Maguire started well. I thought he made three or four really good interceptions and tackles. There was one moment where um, he, he did a really good recovery in the corner. And the entire crowd got behind him. And it was great to see that. But then he had a moment, it's not totally on him, the first goal, but he had a lapse in concentration. And he came out and he criticised, well, he criticised. He he talked about the teams dropping concentration after that, that they let it get to them after the first goal. And, and they could have been talking about himself, really, because he seemed to struggle after that. 
um, making the kind of errors that we saw him make last season, you were wondering about his his um, you know his confidence levels, and it's the same with Dallo as well because he was so poor again on the right, and it's such a vital area of that side where you've got three of the top underperformers. You've got McTominay in front of Maguire and Dallo, and it's a massive area for for opponents to target, and they were doing it all the time. Brighton, obviously, they're capable of dominating the play against us. They've shown that before in, in many matches. So you really need a lot of these players to be at their best. And while I can understand a manager coming in and sort of like saying, all right, I'm going to give all these underperforming players another chance, you do have to worry about whether or not these players are now on massively borrowed time because we already saw a lot of their underperformance last season. And a new manager comes in and you give them the benefit of the doubt. The, the performances were so bad that you worry about that. Um, Andrew, do you do you think that... I mean, obviously, we're not going to get on 10 Augs back, but you, do you think he's going to make a critical call quickly on some of these players, the likes of Maguire and the likes of McTominay, who, you know, obviously, they're international-class players, but United need more than that, really, if they want to take a step up. It's, it's a, do you think that that call is critical now, or do you think he's he's well within his rights to give them like half a season to to sort of prove turn it around? I think that depends on who comes in. You know, he's obviously desperate for De Jong. You know, he's the the worry that is is if he doesn't get him, I don't think we'll get anybody this year, uh, or, or not till maybe January. I think he's he's almost got all his eggs in in that one basket with De Jong, and that, that's the player he wants to build the team the team round. I thought Maguire was. I thought he had a quite a good game today, to be honest. I thought it took a bit of time for him to maybe start getting an understanding with Martinez. I, I thought Martinez was poor first half. Yeah. I, I, a second, you know, half time I was worried. Um, I think he got booked in the first half as well. Second half, it, he just seemed to be a different player. He, he was winning more headers, um, and, I, and I said to myself, I thought, you know, I can guarantee I'll put Twitter on tonight, and the first thing I'm going to see is Martinez's height and. All them issues people have mentioned with that, and it—it's not something I've seen up to now. It probably is out there, but I thought he grew. He grew into the game as as the game went on, and, and Maguire grew into the game as well. Okay, Brighton didn't probably offer as much pressure as they did in that first half. They they, they seemed to sit back, um, and that was where our big problem was for me. Exactly the same as last season. As soon as we face a team who puts some men behind the ball, we just can't break them down. We don't we don't move the ball fast enough. We were doing that in pre-season, didn't do it today. And we don't have people running at people in the, in the particularly in the wide positions or or in the box. Rashford wasn't doing it, Sancho wasn't doing it. And and we weren't creating any sort of space at all. And when we were trying to get crosses in, they were pitting the first man, they were bouncing away, they were being cleared. You know, I think we, we put two decent balls in across the front of the, the box. There was nobody in there for them. But I think it's just gonna take time. It's it's not an easy fix. He's got to get the players in he needs, and he's also got to get the other players to buy into playing in that sort of in that sort of system. And I think, you know, you look at that second goal today. It, it come from the corner of the pitch at the far end of the pitch, and there was about five or six players who could have knocked that out for if anyone who plays Sunday league football. That's an you know if you're a defender, you go in, you knock that out, you take the throw in. Not one person put that ball out for a throw in or made the tackle. Gets to De Gea. I don't know what he was doing. He, a little soft push out, and 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 Maguire was switched off for it, and it, and it was a tap in. So, I mean, there was mistakes all over the pitch today, and I don't, you know, I don't know if some of that come from a little bit of nerves, really. You know, did you, I could see the body language when it went one nil down. 
that the players had sort of <coughs> trundled back to the halfway line and, and you could see they were shocked. And I, and I think that we're going to get that throughout the season. Bright, Brighton played well. You know, they, they weren't a poor team. But there's better teams than Brighton out there who we've got to face. And, and you know, we've got, we've got Liverpool in two weeks' time and you have to think, are we going to set up and cope with it the way they play? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then the the biggest worry that I had with that, first of all, you've got the midfield, which um, is much the same as it was last season. But they've also started the tendency of playing really. I mean, I, I was very, very surprised to see it. I know we've seen it in in preseason, but the goal kicks starting with Martinez and Maguire, and they're basically playing four passes between themselves to move the pitch ten yards, and it's like. Did we not see how much this cost us many times last season? I mean, it's almost directly responsible for three Liverpool goals before half time. So if we see that again, they're just going to be like, "Oh, I love this." They're still doing the same mistakes. Because um, I, 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 um, I, don't, I don't know if you heard some of Ten Hag's interviews afterwards, but he said that we couldn't implement a pressing game because Brighton were playing a long ball game, and and for me, I didn't see a long ball game from Brighton. I, I seen Brighton. <coughs> doing a pressing game more than anything. Um, mm. you know, the, the movement was quite well. They, they switched the play when it needed to be. The, the frustrating bit is, and we're going to get that off teams, as we always have done, is the time wasting, particularly from the goalkeeper. Yeah. And, and there's been so much said about it in the last week about Premier League officials wanting to speed up play. But there was no action taken by the referee to do that today. And we're, and we're going to see it all the time. And you probably notice there's these balls dotted around the pitch at the moment for trying to speed it back up. Um, you know, so the ball goes out of play and, and supposedly a new ball is picked up and thrown in. Well, I think the ball boys we had on duty at Old Trafford and the girls were um, too busy sunbathing today because there was just no speed of anyone returning the ball back. And it and it's frustrations, which that frustrates me as a fan because you've seen how slow it is. But you've seen it yourself over the years. You know, Blackburn, how many times did we used to see Brad Friedel come to the Old yeah. Trafford and time waste and Ben Foster and... Pickford was doing it last season, and we got exactly that today. And I think that just adds that adds to the frustration. But we don't have a plan B, and and that's just going to something we're going to see after over time. So I think the next few weeks are going to be quite interesting for the um, for the transfer window. You know, we'll probably get onto it later. But you know, we're linked with a couple of players today who I don't think we we, we should be linked with really. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. The, on out of each, they said that a nine million bids being rejected, um, and. I hope it stays that way because you don't want to go back in. Um, He's definitely not a Manchester United player for, for, for me. And, and I don't see what he offers, to be honest. I'd rather see one of the youngsters given the time and development rather than bring somebody in like that. Yeah. Um, Jason says, Welbeck was brilliant today. Fair play to him after all the injuries he suffered. Yeah, absolutely. There was one moment where he he bullied Maguire out of it. I think he got Maguire got a cheap foul as well. And I don't think he, you know, and, and Welbeck was through and he should have. Uh, he could have well have scored if if they'd not blown for it. I don't think it was a foul. And was it on Welbeck uh, Martinez for the penalty? What well, should have been a penalty in the second half? Well, they, I don't know. I thought Welbeck was brilliant. Anyway, I thought he was fantastic. Um, some more comments in. Uh, ben says agrees with Andrew. Everything was so slow. I think we let Brighton slow it down after twenty minutes. We couldn't set the tempo ourselves after that. Absolutely, completely agree. Jason says both our fullbacks cannot cross the ball. Shaw always looks for the easy option. John is quite um, firm in his opinion. Rashford, Shaw, Dallow, Fred, and McTominay shouldn't be United. Apart from that, 
you know, <laughs> um, it's all good. Can't get signings over the line, says Yehuda. Uh, players play with fear and no confidence. Um, Simon says Malassia should start versus Brentford. Rashford, McTominay, Fred should all be dropped. Yeah, it's it's a really, really, um, it's a tough call. I just want to come back to some of the tactical things that we saw last season, um, Kyle, particularly that comment I was making earlier about the defence, well, you know, taking the goal kicks and taking them in the box and stuff like that, which is United have found a way. I don't know how they do it, but it's definitely been happening for at least a year. They've found a way to play to their own weaknesses. And I don't understand how these things aren't, you know, nailed out on the training pitch. How someone didn't go to Ten Hag and say, "Look, boss, I know that this is the way that you want to play, but if you just watch the Liverpool game from last season, it didn't, it didn't go well for us. We're not really strong in this area." But the players seem to think, "Oh, we can play this kind of game," and I don't understand where where does the line? Is this the problem with the United squad? Is that they don't see their own problem? They don't see their own limitations. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I would think after last season that that no one would want to try this anymore because there, I don't know how many times that bit us last season, and, and then we keep trying it. But uh, uh, they seem to, they seem to want to persist, and, and maybe this is a Ten Hag thing that he really wants to to, to keep trying it. Um, I think, I mean, one of the reasons I think they really wanted to sign Martinez was because he is is a ball playing defender. Um, and, and maybe that's part of, of the reason that he's in the team is, is to try to, to play the ball out from the back. Um, the problem with that is, is if you have two midfielders that don't really want to keep possession, don't really want to have to have the ball and, and play with it. Um, then what's the point of, of getting the ball to the defender? Cause they have no one to, to pass to. Um, I, I mean, you, if you pass the, if you get the ball to your, your center backs and they play it to Fred or McTominay, I mean, what are they going to do with it? That's what we saw today. I mean, there, there was really nothing, there's no one to play to right now. Um, that's why we're seeing that you need a De Jong or, or hopefully some sort of backup if you can't get him in, in the next couple, um, weeks, uh, because, you know, you've got two players that, that don't want the ball in midfield. And that's very problematic. Um, because I think we saw in the first half is, um, you know, I like our attackers, but if you can't get the ball to Bruno, if you can't get the ball to Rashford, if you can't get the ball to Sancho, um, you're, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're gonna have a lot of problems. Um, and, and I, I you know, one thing, if you want to talk about the way the team was set up today, I know, um, I'm going to say something that I never thought I would say a year ago or, or 18 months ago, or even six months ago, honestly. Um, we really missed Anthony Marshall, um, like, like a lot. Um, and, and I, I can't believe I just said that, but um, he looked so good in preseason and the way that we played in preseason was, was, um, was, was, was really nice. I mean, it was, it was a nice fluid attacking play. Um, I thought the three forwards played really nice um, together um, there was a lot of, of interchanging uh, football um, and, um, you know, Marshall looked like he was he was ready to score goals um, and everything got messed up. That, that is the one thing I'm not ready to jump on Ten Hag, but I think the way that he set up the team today, it didn't make a lot of sense to me um, playing, you know, Erickson as a forward slash false nine slash didn't really make sense. Um you know, um, it, there just was no rhythm in the attack. 
Um, I think it would have made more sense to have Erickson play deeper. It seems like what the plan is in midfield is to have that deeper position with Bruno and Erickson kind of playing as like kind of the two attacking players with like a holding midfielder in there as well, which would probably be De Jong if uh, Ten Hag has his way. Um, and I think if your outlet, you know, in that area, if Eric, you know, if you have um, Martinez or Maguire can play the ball to an Erickson, then maybe that passing out from the back works. But the way it is now is you're going to, you're going to lose possession because, you know, uh, McTominay doesn't open himself up for the pass. You know, he, he hides, you know, he's, he's not making himself available or when he does get the ball, he, you know, he loses it. You know, Fred is the same way. He's not, you know, he's not great in possession. So if we're going to keep trying to play out of the back, it's not going to work with the players we have right now. So you got to adapt. you got to find a new way to play it. Um, and maybe that works when we're fully healthy and we have different personnel on the pitch and we don't have to play um, both, you know, we don't have to play the McFred system. Hopefully this is the last time we see it. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of high hopes for that, but um yeah, we gotta we gotta stop doing this because because we're we're gonna get scored on if we keep trying to play it out of the back the way that we we did last season and and again today. So yeah, it is concerning. And then you you look at like the options that we had from the bench. Obviously, threadbare in in the midfield. I mean, he's been be mentioned in the comments about James Garner. He's had enough first time experience for Forest last season. Surely he can't do worse. Um, that's Ashwin. It's a good comment and. Andrew, I do. Te- I see the point. I definitely do see the point, and I, I don't necessarily disagree. I just think it's such a massive call on Tenog if he did that at the start of the season. I can understand why he went with McTominay and Fred, even though he went horribly wrong. I can see why he did it, as opposed to putting James Garner in because it's such a, a pivotal gamble really in that area isn't it so it's, it's a really tough one for him because do you rip up the playbook from day one and drop all these underperforming players from last season or do you you know do you go with the experience because I mean yeah he could have put Garnacho in on the wing instead of uh, Rashford he could have put Garner in the middle instead of McTominay but if that doesn't go well I mean it's it's going to look very bad for him isn't it it's a very difficult situation for him but yeah, I, I would have preferred to seen probably Ganacho starting as a as the centre forward or, or Rashford on the centre forward or Ganacho on the wing or, or even Palistri on, on the on the wing now. I think <clears throat> be a little bit brave and do that. I think centre mid is is a complete different game, you know, throwing somebody in like James Garner straight from okay, he's played at Forest last year, but it wasn't in the Premier League. He's not played in that Manchester United team. And I don't like throwing youngsters into a poor team as well. You know, whenever we develop youngsters into the team, you know, you, you go back and, and I know you tweeted about it the other day, Wayne, about, you know, that year when, we, when you know, we're not going to win anything with kids. We threw kids in at the deep end, but they had quality around them. They had winning mentality around them. They had players who'd picked Premier League trophies up. And the kids were at that level where they were good enough to, to, to go yeah. into that team. And I think if you do that now and you, you can't do throw two or three in, you you're going to make them look exposed and people be saying, why are they playing them kids when it's, it, it's not the kids, it's the players around them. But I think, yeah, I think taking probably McTominay out today, maybe letting Ericsson sit a little bit deeper and putting something like Ganacho or, or Polistri on the wing would have been a slightly different option. Um, I think, as I said before, Luke Shaw for me was, was poor 
I bet he's going to have his work cut out once um, Malassia gets into that team. You know, he's looked decent in in pre-season on that. But, yeah, it's, it, it's got to change. Um, and how long you give it, you know, I'm not saying it's it's the manager, how, how long you give it before the, the sort of unrest of the fans. You heard it today at half-time, the boos, you know, it, yeah. it was too well down. And it, that was probably the loudest I've heard Old Trafford boo for a good while. And, and usually you get that when a manager's lost seven or eight games or the other team's struggling. And it was, I think that was a big wake-up call for quite a few of them today when, when that happened. Yeah. No, yeah, because I think the last time I heard anything like that was um, Liverpool, you know, when the boos were at half-time. Maybe, maybe it's City against City as well. Um, Kyle, Kyle, obviously one of the biggest things today, one of the biggest talking points was Ronaldo on the bench. I don't think anyone really complained with that. In hindsight, yes, you could say that he should have started. But obviously you can see the reason for why he was on the bench. Surprising that he didn't come right on at half-time considering the the need um, was obvious. And if anything, it looked like they were going to score a third until we sort of changed the shape and actually brought a player on, um, brought him on. He didn't look good. At least he had a presence in there. Um, he, he got to the point where he's coming up. He's like coming to get the ball, dropping deep to do that. And if Ronaldo's doing that, then you know that there's a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what what did you make on on what do you make on it all? I mean, clearly he's, he's talked about wanting to go. That's no real secret. As much as the club are trying to put the PR spin on, you know, like oh he just he was just missing for a family reason and he's back and he's dedicated all that kind of nonsense. We 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 can see through it. We know in this situation, are you, uh, this is a perfect scenario of what we're talking about, really, in terms of the United uh, United issues. In, you know, did he play a player like Ronaldo when he wants to go? You know, short term game. We needed a result, and we put him on. Um, did, you know what I mean? Is it is it worth persevering with it? Should we have tried someone else? Do we do we do you shoot yourself in the foot by? You know, not having him if you need a goal. Where where do you stand on the Ronaldo issue? Yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we we were uh, when we did this podcast together, I, I think I said, um, you know, I, I I think I said I was willing to to let him go if the right offer came in. You know, it wasn't worth, uh, you know, it wasn't Ronaldo from from two thousand nine when he left the first time. Um, you know, if we could get the right forward in, um you know, it, it, it was okay. Um, what a difference a couple weeks makes because Marshall's injured now. Um, we've seen what it was like playing with Erickson as our striker or false nine or whatever, because we have no other, you know, real attacking options. I guess Rashford could have played as the striker maybe, but, um, it, it seemed Ten Hag wanted to play him on the left. Um, and, uh, and given today's, uh, transfer for transfer rumors, um, I don't really see how you can let Ronaldo go at this point because um, there's not a lot of options at striker right now. So um, I, I just don't, I just don't get it. Like, yeah, the attitudes, the attitudes poor. Um, it seems like um, he really wants to go, um, you know, in an ideal world, I'd, I'd like to let him leave because I'd prefer not to have that, you know, have him um, being a, a distraction in, in the dressing room. Um, and, and I'd like to have someone who has the right attitude out there on the pitch. Um, I don't think he was particularly great today. Um, I mean, he missed pretty much all of, of, of preseason and, and that's why he didn't start. Um, and he didn't look like he was particularly in a great rhythm. 
Um, but I mean, we, we've, we've seen on Twitter and I'm sure we're going to get to this, what the alternative is. Um, and I, 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 I'd rather we just play Ronaldo. So um, unless a really great bid comes in in the next three weeks, um, I don't see why we should change our stance. So uh, that's that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that. Um, it's it sucks. It's it's the least ideal scenario that we could possibly be in. Um, but uh, I guess there is a a worse case scenario, um, which we are are kind of seeing unfold right in front of us right now. So I would I would persist with him until we. Uh, you know, unless, you know, unless something unfolds in the next three weeks that, that gives us a better opportunity. But um, as things stand, I, I just don't see how you can let him go. Um, and, and we've seen in the past, um, I, I mean, it's not really shocking that Marshall missed today because his, his injury track record is, is not great. Um, I don't I don't think you can get through a season expecting him to be your really only senior striker. So, yeah, definitely. Well, I think the interesting one with Ronaldo as well is his, the rumours seem to have dried up of where he's linked with. You know, if yeah. you go back two weeks or three weeks ago, when or when it first came out, you know, there was there was ones that we thought, well, okay, Chelsea might be serious bid for him, or you know, he was linked with Barcelona, he's been linked with with Bayern Munich. The options just seem to have dried up. He, he was linked with Galatasaray during the week, and I, I think that's just somebody from a an optimist, optimistic point of view, somebody over in uh, Turkey looking at that because it, it's not a club who Ronaldo wants to go, would have went to. And and the other thing with him is is he's not a player who's motivated by the by the money at the moment. His motivation seems to be the Champions League, yeah. making sure Messi doesn't overtake him as a top scorer. So even offers like what Gareth Bale's got, where he's gone to LA or offers from Saudi, they're not the sort of offers where he's going to jump for that. They, they don't yeah. appeal to him, you know. The other players may take that option because you know they see the the easy cash on the table. And I've not heard anything about where Ronaldo is likely to go. And I think you know, okay, there's maybe a romance with him could go back to sport in Lisbon, but that seems to have dried up as well. So yeah. I think the, long, the longer it goes on, unless somebody comes in with a last minute panic bid for him, maybe they've had a few injuries over the next two or three weeks. I, I think he's probably end up going to stay stay at Manchester United at least till at least till Christmas or January. And then once you get to that part of the year, you think, well, another few months and he'll be available on a free transfer. He doesn't renew a deal. So I don't see where, I don't see where he's going to go, but I think it was a big statement by Tenag today, particularly as you say, Kyle, where I mean, everyone was looking at half time to say he's going to come on at half time. And he, you know, I, I got back and it, I seen on the concourse just before the half time kicked off, you know, it zoomed in on Ronaldo and he was sat on the bench tying his laces and, not looking as interested as he probably would be, almost as you could see the frustration saying, why aren't I on the pitch? And I think that's the danger we've got there now. And, and it's a danger in the dressing room of, does that cause more unrest? Or or do we actually use him now to say, well, here's your second chance, you take it, show us what you can do and, and why you can be at this club? Yeah. Um, Richard says, smash that like button. Yeah, if you're watching, please do give us a like. Please do just press like. It's free. <laughs> It's free and helps us that. So do that. Um, John says early days, but still the same spineless players. Yeah, I'll just make a comment on Ronaldo. Um, you're both right. So certainly the destination aspects of it, because really, I wonder if someone's having a word in his ear. Because obviously, there's a lot of. I mean, yeah, there's a team and a ten org conversation, but there's obviously a big marketing thing, which includes his own brand. And someone somewhere is going to be surely saying to him, you're going to sacrifice this for six group games, basically, because if he goes to a sporting, 
if he goes to someone, he's not going to be going to a team who are likely to want to qualify. Well, they won't have true ambitions of, of qualifying of, of the next round. So you've got six games, six group games. How many game? How many goals are you going to score in that period of time? How likely really is Messi to overtake him in the next year or two? It's not very likely. I think no. Ronaldo's about 15 in front of him. Messi's on the down as well, so he's not likely to get that amount of goals. Um, he'd have to match probably his career best twice, right? I don't know what his career best in the Champions League is, but he's going to have to get around that twice to overtake Ronaldo anyway in the next two years. So there's that catch-22 with him. The other thing is, like, all right, so he might be in a bit of image reparation now. Like, if they're saying to him, oh, like, make it look like you always wanted to stay United, like he's saying, you know, the king is back and all this kind of nonsense and uh, and training and, and training with, like, United shorts on and everything. I I wonder if someone's had a word in his ear just saying it's not worth it for that, um, you know, put on the, the show that you want to stay. The problem is that everyone, most people can see through it. However, when he came on today, he's still ended up getting a cheer. He was still yeah. warmly received by the crowd. So it's yeah. interesting to see. Well, and he's a, P- I mean, he's a PR master too, and he's got a great PR team. So, I mean, it, it's, as soon as the transfer window closes and, and, and it does look like he's going to end up, st- I, I, I think he's going to end up, I was going to say he's going to end up saying, I think he's going to end up stuck here is what the reality of yeah. it is, 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 you know, there's going to be, you know, he hasn't done an, an interview. Um, but I think ultimately when the transfer window closes, if he's still here, he'll, he'll do an interview and say, you know, uh, you know, it was all, all media talk and I never wanted to leave and, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, 80, 90% of United fans will eat it up and it'll all just be like, it was, you know, nothing ever happened. So, um, but I, I do agree with you on the one point I, I, I read the thing about like the champions league, like goal record and everything. And then I was like, Lionel Messi is not scoring 15 champions league goals this season. Like, what do we, like, are, are you crazy? Like, is it, cause he's been on, I mean, last year was a wild decline for, I know he scored that incredible goal yesterday. Was it, but um, he's not scoring 15 Champions League goals this season, so yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Um, just to return to an earlier um, few comments here, um, these players will sh- throw Ten Hag under the bus as soon as they can, says John. Um, give the youth a chance. Iqbal was really good in preseason, and Ben asked, Why do we have a youth team though if we aren't going to use them when there's gaps in the team? And I think, yeah, it's a good point, Ben. I think the, the point we were all making is putting them en masse in. The, the 94 team, like when you were saying earlier, Andrew, when they were introduced in in 95 and they were all thrown in, they had all had decent numbers of first-team games before they were all put in together. Do you know what I mean? Like, Butt had played a fair few times, Beckham had played a fair few times, obviously Giggs, Skulls as well. They'd already had introductions, whereas Agana, you're putting in and Garnacho, they're going in very, very cold into this first team. They don't have any experience whatsoever. And it's a lot of... Um, pressure on them to go into, like we've said before, uh, a team who are not doing very well. Okay, so we walk back to that as well. You know, you when we had that when they come through, as you mentioned, then the games they played in weren't just the odd games here and there for you know five ten minutes or, or league cup games. They benefited significantly from the um, you know from the, the there was a European rule at the time where you were only allowed so many foreign players. Yeah, and, and and that included Welsh, you know, English, Irish, and and some of them Champions League games we were playing around that time. The likes of Nicky Bot, I think Nicky Bot made his Champions League debut before most of them. If I'm correct on that, but yeah. we we were they were playing them European games against decent opposition 
because we were forced to play him. So by the time they come through, as you say, they did have quite a bit of experience with that. The, the other thing with it as well is, you know, you we've been linked with uh, Cisco. He's, you know, he's only 19. He scored quite a lot of goals in Austria. Does that make him a better player than Ganocho or does it make him a, a better player than what we're going to get with Charlie McNeil? And, and yeah. you've got to look at that and say, if we bring in a 19-year-old forward of that ilk, What's the impact it's going to have on the players we bring through from from our own youth team on that? You know, there's there's got to be them opportunities there. You know, he's not a proven scorer. Yes, he's done it at a higher level than what our under 23s or under 18s are playing at. But what is the impact on that play? And I think if he does come in for a year, if he does come in, if we went for that sort of play, you might see that's where Ganacho or um, Charlie McNeil, for example, go out on loan. But I think, yeah, you know, throwing throwing that many players in, we we just can't do that, particularly when these games aren't going as planned as they were today. Yeah, yeah. Ben makes a good comment. Right, don't throw them all in at once. I agree with that. Game was begging for Garnacho. No fear in a game where we were fearful. That's that's a fair point, isn't it, Kyle? I actually I actually agree with that. I, I think Garnacho is the one that I, I I mean he he has the right attitude as far as I'm concerned. He, he he's the one that I, I think you saw in in preseason. I mean he, he he's when we talk about wanting to see Rashford and, and Sancho run at players, he does that. Like he's he's the kind of player when when we're when we we're facing teams like Brighton, who as soon as they got ahead, put so many players behind the ball. He's the kind of player that you need to come into that game and and run at the defense and get into the box and try to take somebody on. And I think he was exactly the kind of player that would have been perfect in this. And I don't know why we didn't get him on until like the 90th minute or I think it was stoppage shot by the time he actually got onto the pitch. But um, he would have been perfect. I actually was kind of hoping that he might have even started because um, I, I really I thought that maybe he would start on the left with Rashford in the middle. Um, I thought Rashford might be the striker in this game. Um um, I do want to get back to one point on Garner because um, I, I think everyone kind of has high hopes for Garner. I do too. I hope that he can be an answer in midfield because I think we're all looking for an answer in midfield. Because um, I, I mean, I know McFred has been the running joke, um, joke slash misery for the last three, four years. God, has it really been that long? Um, but um, it, it's, 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 um, it's such a it's such a strange um, it's it's such a it's such a strange thing that the the jump from the Champions League to the Premier League like it, 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 I I would I'd love to see him getting more involved as the season goes on I think putting him in and having him start the very very first game of the Premier League season when he doesn't have any Premier League experience would have been a wild move now you we could look at McTominay's stats in this game which are horrendous I mean Ashwin put him in the the chat earlier and they are really really bad. Um, I, if, if you didn't see them when, when Wayne put them on the screen earlier, I really encourage you to go find them on Twitter because they are atrocious. Um, but, um, them back there, there you go. They're right there. Um, and, 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 and Ashwin and I were talking about this via text. I, I mean, it, Garner probably could have done better than this. So this goes against everything I'm about to say, but, um, it, it's a, it's a big jump from the championship to the premier league. I mean, you saw it not, he had a wonderful loan at Nottingham forest last year. Um, but Nottingham forest came up and we saw what they did. I mean, yesterday they, they got beat. I mean, they, they had a really great season in the championship last year and they came up and they got beat. That's what happens. These championship teams come up and they get beat in the premier league very often. Um, because there's a big gap between the quality of the two leagues and, and it's going to take time for him to adjust between the two. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think he will. I, I have hope that he will because I think we need that kind of player in our team. But to expect him to come in and do it the first game is 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 not going to happen. Also, it's important to remember that uh, that he missed a lot of preseason. I, I mean, I don't really remember him being involved at all because I think he was injured for the first several games. So um, you're also talking about someone who didn't really get any any reps, um, you know, getting involved in Ten Hag's system either. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a fair point. Some comments before we move on to the next comment, uh, point. Jason says Chelsea did it with Mount one season at Derby in the Championship start of the season uh, for Chelsea the season after. Um, Richard says Fergie used to start players like Garnacho. We need a manager who has a ball to play with a style that's regular. Yeah, uh, the only thing I would say in that is beware Adnan Yanazai and the <laughs> burnout that we had with him. Um, and Ben, uh, those late subs were strange. I think we got the ball into their half maybe twice after those three subs. Yeah, but to be fair to Tenog, though they were ready on eighty six minutes. They were ready for like three or four minutes. I was gonna say, they were standing on the the side yeah. for quite a while. I don't think they actually came on until stoppage time, but they'd been standing there for a long time. Yeah, well, it was it ticked over into stoppage time. When they yeah. Were um. So yeah, obviously the name on everyone's lips tonight is Marco Arnautovic, and um, at least the unfavorable response is at least a little bit more polite than some of the things he's been known to say in the past, um, which is another reason why I wouldn't want him at United. But this really, we could talk about Arnautovic and why I think all of us think it's a terrible idea. But I think it brings a different question into the um, into the atmosphere, really. And that is the one of United's end of season um, and transfer window policy and how they're going to uh, approach this. Now, um, I'm far from a Glazer apologist, um, and I agree. Like I think anyone who sees my timeline today, I've posted about him and how, how terrible they've been for the club and what a terrible situation it is for the manager because his hands are tied somewhat by the the financial situation at the club. You know, he can only spend the money that's there. This brings into two in, into comment um, two different comments. The first is that people want United to basically speculate to accumulate and they're not going to compete for the title this season. If they buy three or four more players, including De Jong, they're still not going to compete for the title this season. They're a long way off that. They need a lot of building. So what are you going to do? I mean, seriously, what are you going to do in that situation? Because do you want them to be like Barcelona, spend money that they haven't got and project it against short-term success that's not going to happen? in the hope that you can compete with City or Paris. You're not going to be able to do that. So you face it. And United are in a not-good financial situation as it is. So Tenog's got... I'm, I'm not excusing the fact that, you know, the, the money's not there. I'm definitely not excusing that. I'm just talking about us as supporters. Do we want us to be throwing money at players like the ones that will be mentioned today on Altovich? Now, we mentioned Sesco earlier, and I'm sure he can bring the thong song with him. <laughs> to, to United, but I don't know about the goals. Sorry, terrible, terrible joke. Um, I don't know anything about him apart from the clips that I've seen. The, the you know the video clips that people have been posting. Now, all right, he seems like a sounder investment because there's a lot of talk around him. He's a sounder investment than Arnautovic. But the problem that you've got at this end of the window, and yeah, I know a lot of people will say that this is the way that we always operate, but we're in that moment now, and these are different people in charge, and we've got to give them the chance. The point I'm, I'm going to make about this is, do we want to be buying? I know we need to be buying people to, you know, reinforce the squad. 
but do we not want to look back at what happened in 2015 or 2014 when we just sort of panic bought like Rojo and Di Maria and Falcao and then last uh, two years ago under Solskjaer we panic bought um, Tellez and Cavani and Palestri and, um, and Diallo. Do you know what I mean? All these players that were coming in at the last moment in time and none of them really are in the first team picture. You know, Tellez has gone already. Um and you struggle to move these players on because you're stockpiling players around, which is what United have historically done in the last four, four or five years. You've got a number of players like Eric Bai, Phil Jones, players they can't move on anyway. Tellers took a, a great deal to shift on and they'd already bought two, well, bought a replacement for him as well. So it really is a case of being careful what you wish for. That's the problem that's facing this current regime, isn't it, Kyle? They're looking at this now. They've, you know, yeah, you want to improve, but you don't want to be making short-term impulsive buys like this. I mean, there'll be older fans who might watch this who'll be remembering, you know, Ron Atkinson's panic buys, you know, like Goth Crooks in the eighties. Do you know what I mean? It's like it has no inclination. Peter Barnes, who was a decent player in his day, but he was only ever going to be a short-term buy. You, you. You know what these kind of signings do? They don't bring success. They they fill the they they I, what scratch a temporary itch, but then in six or seven weeks you're not really seeing a massive improvement, and in fact you're just l- lumbering yourself with more problems. I, where do you stand on this? I mean, obviously Kyle, you can't be enthralled with Arnautovic, but um... no, not at all. <laughs> no, I, I mean. Uh... Player-wise, no. Personality-wise, definitely no. Um, but uh, I mean, the question here is on the scouting team. I mean, what? What? I, I mean, starting off, I mean, this name has just come out of nowhere. That's the most confusing thing to me. Um, like, like, where? Where's the short list? Like, yeah, you didn't get your top target, but like, who's your second target? Who's your third target? Who's your fourth target? Like, move down the list. Like, you should. Like, theoretically, if you have. A, a scouting team that I would think a team like United has, you should have 10 strikers that are on your list that are all like, these are the players that we think have the attributes to fit our system. These are the players that we think have value to the club. Like, why are you just now randomly throwing this name of a 33 year old has been striker that was in the Chinese league, you know, I, I think a year or two ago now is in Italy. Like I, it, it makes no sense. I mean, you know, if, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, Darwin Nunez two months ago, and now it's 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 Cisco. And now all of a sudden we're throwing out, you know, Arnautovic. Like, what are we what are we doing? Like, who were the other names on that list? That's what I want to know is like, who were we scouting and who were the names that were recommended? And there's got to be other like players that they looked at that were like considered or, you know maybe they were so out of reach. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that comes up with De Jong all the time is like, who were the other players that were on that list that if this doesn't work out, like how quickly can we move to the second or third name on that list? You know, I've read three or four different names that are after De Jong, you know, from, from um, uh, you know, the one that just came out the other day, like yesterday was uh, Fabio, Fabian Ruiz or, you know, and now I see he's going to PSG. So it's like, what's, the, what's the plan here? You know, um, it just, it, it's so underwhelming and, and it just doesn't seem like there's a plan. It's like, okay, it's this player, but there's gotta be a plan B, a plan C, a, like even a plan D plan E plan, you know, there's just nothing. 
just nothing <laughs> like like you you have to have contingency plans for all of these things and it just doesn't seem like they do and like when plan a fails they just they just make it up is is what it seems like the plan is and i'm i'm glad that the i'm glad that they didn't i'm glad that the initial bids been rejected i hope they don't go back with a second bid um but I, at the same time like you need to find a striker and i think what i I think what we saw today, unfortunately, and I know that we're, we're going to talk about the fact that like, yeah, that you're going to end up panic buying and you're going to end up signing a player that's not United quality. But I, I think there's also a reality is that the, the squad is thin and you are going to have to get bodies into the team one way or the other. And you are probably going to end up with players that are not United quality in two or three years from now. They're not going to be part of Ten Hag's plan. And hopefully Ten Hag is still here and they doesn't get, end up getting thrown under the bus, which is a, unfortunately a reality at this club. Um, but hopefully he's still there and you're going to have these players that we ended up panic buying at the deadline because we just needed bodies in the team and we're going to be figuring out they're going to be the next Marcus Rojo or Alex Tellez. And we're going to be trying to figure out who the heck we got to get out, you know, <laughs> how, how do we sell them? Or, you know, we're selling them, you know, we're sending them on loan because no one will take them, you know, for a transfer fee. And we're just hoping someone will cover the wages for a year. So it, it's un, it's unfortunate that that's where we're at, but that's that's kind of where we're at because we spent you know the entire transfer window without you know I think we started with a plan, but um, I, I it wasn't a deep plan. Unfortunately, when the plan started to go off the rails, there wasn't a plan beyond that. There was no backup plan. It doesn't seem like um, I really hope I'm proven wrong. I really hope that there's a backup plan that all unfolds in the next three weeks and they make me look like an idiot. And I would love nothing more than to have this clip. Uh, show up on the internet and be like, well, look at this idiot from United fans. But uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I got one of those earlier because I said, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think I said something the other day that Tenog's um, football is more Hungarian in its roots than what Van, Van Gogh's version of total football was. And so everyone's going, oh, enjoyed you in Hungarian football today, did you win? And yeah. <laughs> No, I did not. Um, Reese comments, um, evening Reese, hope you're well. Arnautovic is currently sucking for Bologna. Um, trust me, he's just as bad as Igalo, which is a bit harsh because I liked Igalo. But pre-lockdown, Igalo was great. Um, that goal that he scored against the LASK. Um, Ashwin says... The only summer United didn't panic by uh, was 2017. Actually, I would say the Solskjaer's first summer as well was pretty pretty good for not panic buying. It was Maguire, um, Wan-Bissaka and James. I mean, we didn't buy enough, but I think that they were all planned signings at least. Uh, Richard says Sky are now reporting um, United have offered nine million quid for. Um, yeah, well, well, let's stop talking about him. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, no, you've got to Andrew. Let's um, let's. Um, let, let's talk about him. Um, I think some of the links have come from from what I've seen is um, McCarran has previously managed him, or is what I've seen, and, and that's where the interest has supposedly come from. Yeah. So to me, it, it sounds more like his agent trying to get him a, his final move of his career. I think there's maybe a bit more agent push behind this than actual Manchester United push, but it, it could be one of them where your name might not be on the list until somebody puts it to you. And then Sonny McLaren's like, well, you know, I've managed him before. He, he fits into that system. To me, it's the it's the profile of him. It, to me, he's not a Manchester United player. Probably not great to have around the dressing room from things you read about him. 
Um, and also, I, I just think his age is it's not on his side. I'd, I'd rather give Ganaucho the minutes that, which is going to benefit him long term than bringing somebody in who's going to um, staunch and hold back that, that sort of youth on it. And I think I, I can't see it happening, to be honest. But with Manchester United and Manchester United these days, you, you just never know what, you, what you're going to get. And, you know, the shock signing like that sometimes turns out to be actually the good signing that come the end of the season. But I, I hope we just don't go down that route, to be honest. Yeah. Do you think uh, it's interesting that you mentioned um, earlier about what well, we, we've been talking, obviously, about the youth team and everything like that. Do you think that there's um, a parallel to United in 89? So one, one kind of strong comparison there is, you know, the players aren't good enough. And, and you could argue that some of the players that Fergie brought in, his first signings, were not necessarily... I'm not going to say not good enough, but the, the argument is that they were good enough to move United onto the next level, but not to win a title. So, like, Viv Anderson, Jim Layton... Players who, you know, even you could say that with Maguire and Dan James, they were good. They elevated United a little bit from where they were because we were used to finishing fifth and sixth. And then we finished in the Champions League positions. No disgrace, not being good enough to challenge for a title at United because they're only, yeah, only 20 groups of players that have done it. Still more than anyone else. But it's still a fairly rare group of players to, to do that. So there's no disgrace on that. But, so you've got this catch-22 of these players, um, you know, possibly not being the required quality and, and maybe even the young team, the youth players not being the required quality. But like in 89, when you introduce them into the side, it galvanises the crowd. I mean, one thing that this squad needs is the crowd on its side, really, especially under a new manager. So rather than, and I'm, I'm certainly not, advocating for the for the Glazers to not spend any money. But the point, what you'll see where I'm coming from with this, Andrew, is it rather than going for an, an Altovich or another, you know, these dross average, like Darmian, for example, just a squad blocker for a young player, give them the chance, even if they're not ready, give them the chance and let them sink or swim. And yeah, all right, it might be a financially prudent thing to do, which is economically nice for the owners, but it might actually be better for Ten Hag to be doing that, really, than going down the other route, considering we've tried that and it's already failed that many times anyway. No, I'd like to see that, to be honest. And, and you know, some of these kids who are in, in the team, they're not just local lads who've come through from being picked up at playing in Wivenshaw on, on a Saturday morning. You know, the players who have been actually scouted and put into the youth system, you know, majority of them are, you know, are sort of following lads, the main bulk of them. Um, and, and I think getting them in and giving them the experience, as you say, is sink or swim. And it, and it's, to me, you know, you look at when Rashford come into the team or you look when Greenwood come into the team, that rawness, what they have about them, actually acts as an element of surprise for the opposition. They don't know what they're getting. You, you look at Greenwood when he first come in and, and he sort of had that little dummy with one foot and then shot into the winner with the opposite. And he caught teams out that first season. Come the second season, teams were expecting that. They knew they'd done the homework. They knew what to get with that. And I think that's the difference to me by, if you would have thrown Gnaucho on today, one, he would have given the crowd a bit more of a buzz. And I think two, there's that bonus. The opposition don't quite know what they're going to get off him. And, and it's that, that surprise factor actually does a lot of favours at times. And I think that's what I'd like to see. Um, 
I think we have got to use things like the League Cup and some maybe, depending who we draw in, in the Europa League, as games where you've, you've got to bring these lads in. And, you know, you know the likes of Iqbal, for me, should be getting some games. Hannibal should be getting some games on there. They, you know, they, some of them, you know, Ganaccio, again, what I keep mentioning him, he's been called up by Argentina, you know, to, to go to the main Argentina squad. That shows to me there's something about him. You know, there's something there he's... You know, you don't get called up for Argentina by scoring goals for Man United under-18s. There's got to be a bit more to him than that. So, uh, yeah, I think it does give the it does give the crowd a little bit of a boost. And you know, we we've touched on it throughout today's show where we, you know, we've got to resolve the De Jong situation. It just can't drag on. You know, we can't be sat here at a minute to five o'clock when the window shuts on whatever date in September, saying is he going to sign in the next two minutes or not. Seen it before. We, we've done it with Berbatov. You know, I, I remember sitting up watching Berbatov a minute to midnight, and he was, you know, you can see the footage of him walking around in Old Trafford in David Gill's office, you know, and it, they hadn't even announced the signing until about one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I was sat up watching it all night on that one. But you, you look at the Rooney one, last day in the window. That to me, that was a brilliant signing. You know, the way MUTV covered it, where he was turned up in his car, that was that was like a superstar arriving at Old Trafford. That and. We, we don't get that anymore, but I don't want to see five minutes to five on the last day of the window waiting to see is De Jong going to sign. You know, I think we need to get that done and dusted before then. And and like you say, if there's a plan B, let's move on to let's move on to plan B. And we don't want to be picking up players like in Altovich just because somebody's touted his name and is available. You know, yeah. he, he isn't the profile what we're looking for to build for the next five or six years on that. I think De Jong's got, there's got to be some clarity on that in the next week or so right because the i think la liga starts is it next weekend and yeah, they can't yeah. i mean they can't register any other players so i feel like there, there's got to be some clarity on that in the next week or so so um because they're well, going have... out again tonight saying you know he's his player he's staying but yeah i saw that but i mean they can't, they can't register the players they, they, they have to sell somebody so um it, it seems like he's, he's he seems like the most likely one now is it is it us or is it chelsea that's that's the real question so um, that's that's where it gets concerning. <laughs> it's... Uh, it is. I mean, Chelsea look like the a convenient team for for Barcelona to use to make United pay that money, don't they? To be fair, so it, it yeah. could well, you know. Do you know what I could say yeah. that I'm Chelsea? Well, and they're, and they're playing. I mean, they're basically playing football manager Chelsea. It seems like right now, where it's just. I mean, some of their transfers are, are bizarre, right? I I, I mean. The, the money they just spent on a, essentially what is a, a backup left back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Barcelona are too, by the looks of it. Um, that Reese says, um, Barcelona deserve all this. I absolutely love their pain. It's funny. I was talking about this earlier with a friend. Um, shout out to Rory. Um, and we were talking about, I still feel bad about it. Not, not necessarily, you know, obviously the employees, but a club is more than just like the current employees. It's like the fans and their entire history. And United have got a really great share of history with um, Barcelona. Um, and it, it would be sad to see them go down. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Ashwin says, no, Kyle, Chelsea are playing something beyond football manager. I can't spend money I don't have in football manager. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, Barca for that matter. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Really um, appreciate all the chat. There's really good comments coming in. Um, thanks, as always, to Kyle and Andrew for their time. 
Um, if you've enjoyed the pod, please um, give us a like and subscribe if you're not already on, on YouTube. And if you're listening back on the audio, please give us a review on the platform you're listening on as well. We'll be back next week to talk about United's incredible um, recovery to form when they defeat Brentford, which I'm sure is going to happen with some comfort. I will be back in the morning, uh, Monday morning, 10 o'clock, like I always am with Paul Parker. Um, until then, stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.